What is up, guys? Welcome back to Mina Broda. You got Ryan and Tony here again recording from my bedroom studios. Today, we were uh, delighted to have David Magadoff on from The Morning Show. At least that's what he's most recently been on. He's uh, been acting on many different shows, and he was great to have on and was very fun conversation to have with him. Yeah, he's a great guy. We had a lot of awesome, interesting conversations, got a lot of stories about his career, a lot of interesting and pretty famous people he's met over his time acting out in LA and it's just a really good conversation you're gonna want to listen to this one yeah we'll roll the tape now all right guys welcome back to the Minnebroda podcast today we are here with actor David Magadoff you may have seen David in Apple TV's The Morning Show he's also hosted his own game show on MTV uh broke ass game show or you might have seen him on your phone on HQ Trivia he's done a lot of things David how you doing Good. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Uh, how have you been keeping busy during quarantine? Start you off with a softball here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, just making a lot of corn muffins, you know? Really? Just, <laughs> yeah, just enjoying. Everyone's going for blueberry and chocolate chip, and I'm just like, how about corn? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I I do like a good corn muffin. It's true, though. If you don't, you're not un-American. Uh, I started doing a... a live interactive saturday morning kid show that's what i've been doing awesome <laughs> on instagram i call it saturday david and it's been really fun it's been for kids ages five to ten and a few adults pop in as well and it's been weirdly scratching a good creative itch during this crazy time so thankful for that have tiffany Thiessen on this saturday which is exciting that's yeah cool. kelly kapowski that's cool how uh cool. what gave you that idea to start that I love improv and that's my thing. So my through line just in life since I was younger, a little younger than Tony here, like I started doing improv in high school and uh, that's sort of just been the thing that gives me a lot of joy and a lot of fun and not being able to do that right now. (laughs) It's like, all right, everyone's kind of figuring out artist wise. If you're an artist, you're like, all right, does my thing translate? to this world right now or should i just take a break and so i think it's a little bit of both i think it's fun sure. for me to take a break but i also really enjoy i really enjoy people which is why i'm here <laughs> and i really enjoy you know making shit up and i really enjoy kids and i thought you know all these hardworking mom and dads right now could use like a coffee break and so if i can give them a coffee break and just someone and, and not only just a coffee break but just like here's some kids entertainment but also uh, something that they can interact with, like that I like interacting with kids. So sure. I actually will stop Blue's Clues style and be like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> and it's just fun to like, and I'll wait. Like, I don't think I heard that. It wasn't loud enough. What's your name? <laughs> can you spell it? You know, there's a weird joy that I get from that. I don't have kids. I don't really have like young nephews or nieces, sure. but uh, just especially doing some kid shows and just to top Elf on Nickelodeon, which was a weirdly big hit for Nickelodeon over the winter (laughs) where uh, kids compete to be uh, the best elf in the North Pole and Santa hosted it. Definitely Santa Claus, not (laughs) someone that I know in real life who's a cool dude. Um, And that was really fun to just play around with kids and see how just kids just light up at things in ways that adults don't and maybe we should. And that's been really fun. So I've been enjoying that every Saturday. That's really cool. So is then um, going back to the stand up there? Is that um, 
kind of what segued you into acting then? Yeah, well, instead of, I mean, stand-up is one thing, and improv is another thing. Sure. The two get combined all the time just because, you know. Have Here's a question. Have either of you guys ever seen, like, an improv show? I probably not, the way they just described it. It's probably <laughs> been a stand-up show. Yeah. Yeah, Tell I me. don't think I have either. Yeah. Uh, so you know that show Whose Line Is It Anyway that was on TV for a long time? Yep. Yeah, so that's improv where it's okay. just a bunch of guys making stuff up. Actually, what's really fun is on Netflix um, just I think a week ago, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz dropped a oh. two-man improv show. Yeah. So that's a 100. I do that. Literally, I have like there's a dude named Jeff out here in LA who's like my – He's my Ben Schwartz, or maybe I'm his, I'm his Ben Schwartz, and he's my Thomas Middleton. <laughs> uh, but I have, and I do a bunch of improv shows all the time with my friends from the Groundlings, which is a big community out in LA. So that's sort of the thing that I started doing when I was like 15 years old, four, maybe 14. Um, and I've, ne- I tried stand up once, writing material and giving it a shot. I don't know if either of you guys have ever wanted to try that or have ever done that. No? I have definitely not tried it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard it's really hard so it seems very difficult yeah well you know what i think you really have to love it like when you watch comedians in cars yeah either of you ever watched i've jerry seen that yeah yep. 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 so jerry uh uh he he always talks about it with like you know we just can't do anything else you know this right. is like all i have to do i have to do this and <laughs> i think that i don't have that i have to do improv I don't have to do stand-up comedy. I've tried a little stand-up. It's a very, very difficult thing. The idea of needing to be on on a stage by yourself telling jokes uh, is a real need for a certain select group of people. And it's really beautiful. Like, yeah. I saw Joe Rogan once. We were That'd talking about cool. Joe Rogan. Yeah. He went on forever on stage, which is how he does his podcast, which right. is probably way better on a podcast than it is on stage because <laughs> it was just, like, forever. Um nothing against joe it's just has a lot to say has a lot of thoughts which is great yeah, he talks a I'm lot so glad <laughs> millions of people love him on that podcast uh but uh i don't have that i have th- i like people i like talking to people i like conversing i like knowing like why do two brothers wanted to start a podcast you know sure. kind of thing like that mm-hmm. that to me is fun and it's fun that you guys want to do that and i like people for that but as far as like i have something to say about this topic but i really like making shit up with friends and creating comedy on the spot and making characters and going into different fantasy worlds and like in a half hour just going to a place where you never expected to go and i got to go on a journey and i got to make up a story and you guys got to kind of direct it because when i'm as an improviser i love it when an audience laughs because when an audience laughs that's like me that's them saying keep going with that right and i go cool Mm -hmm. good to know versus they laugh and i'm like yeah i totally know that's funny it's like i kind of don't know that's sort of as an improviser i have an idea that it's funny and i'm expecting a laugh but sometimes some things will happen that will make a laugh happen and i'll go oh that was a something to be aware of i should maybe keep going with the character who likes ice cream way too much i'll keep kind of going with that guy versus stopping that idea and so that's the joy of improv for me and yeah that did get me into into acting for sure 
So when you were in high school, you were doing improv. Were you also doing like regular theater, scripted type stuff, or did that come later? Yeah, no, I, 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 I knew, you know, theater was what I did before. I everyone knows about theater, then they know about improv first. Unless you're born to an improviser, I think you're gonna have to know about theater first because <laughs> theater. You know what I mean? Like it's every, theaters in every school across at least America. Right. I don't. I can't speak mm-hmm. to India. I, I can't. I can try though and make shit up, but that would be rude <laughs> and ignorant. So if you're in American public school, K through six, you're going to know about theater from kindergarten, from your first walking around, you know, dressed up as a letter person or something. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, that was what I did first. And then in high school, there's a thing called forensics. And I always liked theater. Theater was always fun, but this thing called forensics, which sounds like dead people, which it, it is, is also a thing in New Jersey, at least, that was speech and debate. So I don't okay. know if you guys ever knew about speech and debate. Yep. But hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. You guys don't look too nerdy, so hopefully you don't know too much about it uh, because really nerdy people did speech and debate. It always uh, seemed the interesting. Debate part, it, it is. He said, there, you know, there you go. You are wearing glasses. So <laughs> <it makes> <laughs> <sense>. <laughs> There's a little nerd in you. Um, but the idea of, uh, making, making shit up by yourself, which is actually how I learned it. I actually learned doing it by myself. You had to do a whole improv scene by myself. So I would get a suggestion, get a suggestion, sit with it for three minutes and then go on, go in the front of the classroom in this competition style, uh, tournament that we'd have every Saturday during high school. And you'd create a whole story by yourself for four minutes so like if the suggestion i Dang. got was it sounds very scary it is scary that's how i learned <laughs> that's though. terrifying so yeah oh so here's the best part so you get the suggestion but then you have to sit in the room with five other people the the, the category was called impromptu which is essentially improv sure and i would get the suggestion i'd sit in the room five other people around me who are my competitors in that room we'd each wait and take turns. And so I'd get my suggestion. I sit down. It'd be silent for like three or four minutes, just silent. And I'm just sitting there at a, at a desk, (laughs) just thinking about something crazy. So if the idea that the suggestion was like my mother, the ax murderer, I would just sit down and think, okay, let's start with like a boy and his girlfriend and they're sitting at home. And all of a sudden he hears a noise and I'd kind of create a whole little scenario as quickly as I could in my head, or just some beats. Mm -hmm. And then I'd do that all sitting in a quiet room with five other people in the room. And then I'd walk up on stage, AKA where the chalkboard is in the front of the classroom. (laughs) And I would then perform for four minutes, like ridiculous characters and silly things. And eventually my mother was going to kill me with an ax and I play all the characters and everything and (laughs) give it a shot. And that's how I learned essentially to do improv was actually by myself. But then when I started doing with friends, when forensic season was over, Again, I don't know why it's called forensics, <laughs> but you can make up a story. No one died, uh, <laughs> except for our souls when something was really bad at times. <laughs> when something wasn't really funny, that died. And when forensic season was over, the few of us who did impromptu at my school decided let's do like an improv show at the school, like normal, like when we were watching Whose Lines It Anyway. And so that's sort of how it got into improv shows. And that was really fun. And we had a great time doing that. And then I've been doing it ever since and that's just that's just one of those things everyone's got a thing i think that started in high school or started 
when they were in puberty and it just sticks with them throughout their whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. That's what I think personally. Yeah. So you uh, grew up in New Jersey then? I did. So said, I did. New Jersey. Do you think that's and better than Minnesota? It yeah. depends on which one of us you asked for that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on Minnesota? I'd love to hear about it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Ryan loves I, it. I don't want to move. I like, I mean, we have four seasons. They're all extremely different. I like, like, I like our culture here. I like our, I just feel like Minnesotans are proud generally, except for Tony of who we are. Um, yeah, I, I really like Minnesota personally. If you can endure the cold, the summers get over a hundred degrees. So you have the heat too. I like it. Ryan. What's up? You're wearing a Green Bay Packers <laughs> shirt. <laughs> you just said how proud you are of Minnesota. So and all I'm seeing is a man with a Green Bay Packers shirt. Yes, on. that's What's going on, buddy. So <laughs> Tony, so Tony's dad, my stepdad, is from Wisconsin. So our my dad didn't really care much about football. So my only football influence was from Green Bay, and ever since Tony and I have been. Diehard Packer fans. I mean, Tony basically considers himself from Wisconsin, even though he's not. Is that is that the like is that the is that the rebel in you, Tony? Just the <laughs> idea of like I love Wisconsin. It's not that you so much hate Minnesota. You're just like the state next over that has the same cheese curds as you. It's just a <laughs> little sweeter over there. The air just smells a little nicer. People are just a little more hip and cool <laughs> over in Wisconsin. I did like the reactions I could get out of people in like elementary school when I'd talk about my Packer fans and they'd all get mad. It's fun. I'm sure. Did I, I seriously? I imagine that's like a big deal. Like it I'm is kind of surprised that if someone could yeah. get beat up. Yeah, as long as you got your yeah, brass it, knuckles in your pocket. You're right. It's mm-hmm. a it's a big rivalry here for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But I like like Minneapolis, and I've liked growing up in Minnesota. I think it's a pretty good place to grow up. But I'm also excited to get out and see more of the world. See, because I think. It's not necessarily boring, but there's not a ton to do here all the time, especially like anywhere in the Midwest. So I'm excited to go to college, hopefully in a bigger city and see more things and experience more culture and stuff. So that's kind of my whole thought on it. That's good. I've always thought I've always I think you guys I think at least maybe both of you will say this, maybe Ryan more (laughs) than this. But I always say about New Jersey, you guys will probably say about Minnesota. It's a good place to be from. Yeah. You know, there's when you go out in life and you and you travel and you experience the world. I feel like like I love being in L.A. I really actually like L.A. a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure, we don't get as much seasons and such, but like there's just so much between the weather and the people and the vibe and the food is amazing. And there's so much to do and so much to see. But I like that I grew up where I grew up. I can look back at Jersey and be like, I don't ever have to really go back. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that I grew up there. I like that it was a place that felt fun and safe and I got to have a good time with my friends and I still learned about all the things that I I do today you know I went to my local improv group in Red Bank New Jersey which is where Kevin Smith is from I'm from Marlboro but essentially I lived really close to Red Bank and I actually saw Kevin Smith once just sitting behind the cash register at his comic book shop in Red Bank at Jane Jane Silent Bob's and you're like this is cool (laughs) I actually was walking down Red Bank one day for my best friend was getting married in Red Bank and I'm walking down the street and I'm like, Oh, that's John Stewart. Like he's walking up. He's like walking (laughs) 
up to me. Like we're we're just you know he's walking on one side, I'm walking on the other side. Sorry, same side, different directions. He's walking <laughs> towards me, and he's with a couple of people. And I'm like, he's with a really old looking dude. And I'm look as I was getting closer to him, I'm like, who's this guy that he's talking to? Is like, is it his dad? Is it his grandpa? Nope, Bruce Springsteen. He's with Bruce Springsteen. Dang. This is John Stewart and Bruce Springsteen passing me by in Red Bank, which feels like something that's a classic New Jersey story that I made up, but it <laughs> happened. So I like that I can be from there, that's but cool. I don't want to be there now. Yeah, we don't really get stories like that. I mean, maybe if you're lucky, you could say, hey, I saw Prince at wherever, but yeah, you like, did. if that's, you were yeah, lucky. You saw Prince, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. That's a, pretty, that's a good one, though. Let's be real. Prince, yeah, for Prince all the cool. people to have just like loved living in Minnesota, who's a like absolute badass, that's Prince. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I don't know if Minnesota deserved Prince, but it, <laughs> come it on, happened. I know, but I think it's pretty cool that 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 happened. Yeah. So, did you go to college out east then, or did you go to LA for college? I went to USC. Uh, parents got divorced when I was twelve. Uh, amicable, as much of a divorce could be, mm-hmm. and. Uh, my I'm the only child too, and my dad moved out to California with his fam, where his family all eventually moved out as well. And then I would visit a lot, and kind of like you, Tony. I once I started seeing LA, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, this exists!" So <laughs> I wanted to go there, and so I went to USC for college, and stuck around because it was so great and. uh and I started, I, st- I pursued acting very quickly and I did, did well quickly and stuck. And so here I am and not planning on moving back anytime soon. That's cool. So um, what would you say has been your biggest role so far? That's a great question. Um, I would say, I would say just for the the high profileness of the TV show was just the morning show that just came out with uh, Jen Aniston and, and Reese Witherspoon so on good. Apple TV. Did you guys watch it? Oh, binged it in like two days. Awesome. What did you guys lo- What did you guys love about it? As two dudes from as two like young dudes from Minnesota, what's what was that appeal? Just because there's a lot in that show that there's could appeal to a lot of people. So, so I'm much. curious. Mm-hmm. Well, um, give me one thing. Yeah. So for me, it was just like the dynamic and suspense of what is um I, i'm blanking on steve carell's character's name right now mitch, mitch. what is mitch what is mitch going to do next it just kind of yeah. seemed like he was right on the edge of going in there and i don't know stirring up a lot of chaos tony yeah I liked the because uh, the topic of like workplace sexual misconduct is obviously super present, especially yeah. in like famous people at the moment. And I thought the creators of the show did a really good job of handling it and writing it and showing it in like a realistic light. I would say I don't know I just thought it was handled really well, and I thought the story was super intriguing with everything that's going on between the executives too and the sh- people on the show and all that. Yeah, I thought, I, thought really it was, I think. Totally. It was a great dynamic. And it's true. You never got to see what happened to Matt Lauer, right? He just went away. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of like you get as much as you can. Like Mm -hmm. what did, what was Matt, what's Matt been thinking about? What has Matt been, you know, 
what's been on his mind. Do you know how much of it? Do any of these things? Hmm? Do you know how much of it is actually like based on the story with Matt? I think it's it starts from it. I wouldn't say anything that Steve, you know, the Mitch character actually. I don't think anything that he did really was like this is based on something that Matt Lauer actually did. Sure. I think it's just the impetus for like, Hey, and then I think they got to create the idea of like, well, if Matt Lauer, you know, was wanted to fight for his job again. And if Matt Lauer wanted to do all these things and if Matt Lauer was, you know, ultimately the morning shows, I think did some amazing things with some real stuff, but I also think it's very melodramatic. Like it was, it's listen, it was a major, major soap opera style show Mm -hmm. just done Mm -hmm. with the most amazing actors and high drama and, you know, backstabbing. I mean, there was a lot, you know, it wasn't a documentary, (laughs) you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't even like OJ made in America where it's like, okay, we're basing this on a real story. This Mm -hmm. was very much, you know, Fiction, but right. fiction built in a reality of a world that we're living in right now, which makes it really interesting. And so yeah, it, to see you, what it was so great, I agree about, you know, what Carrie Aaron and Mimi Leader, the, sh- the creators of the show did, was it created, a, a, it created Steve's character in a way where you're like, yeah, I could totally see. I could totally see a world in, where, in which Matt Lauer did these things right. or insert whoever you know not just matt but like he's just the most prominent morning show figure that make, makes it really is very much based on on him you mm-hmm. know just the, the impetus at least yeah so yeah it's cool it's cool to see what could have been and it's cool to be like oh yeah i would have gone that's that these are the arguments he probably would have told himself and these are the arguments he probably would have said this is how people manipulate right i thought it was very honest to show like the way in which he was manipulating and almost oh, like for sure. not believing himself and, and I how think, we can, how, yeah. I think like works. how they did the whole situation of um, when they were out in Vegas yeah. for the show and how they filmed that was very, like Tony said, intriguing in a gross way mm. that it really made you like stop and think about how disgusting some of these situations are, were, yeah, past and present, I guess. And how, and how he's not actively, you know, it's, it's, can his, it's the idea of seeing a sexual predator convince themselves over years behaving like this and knowing how to make other people feel like they're the ones who made the move, right. you know, and, mm-hmm. It, it's it's creepy yeah and, it's, and hopefully it's very cathartic for people who've been in that situation especially women who can go yes they are you know doing bad things mm-hmm. and thank you for showing us this and to make me feel like i'm not crazy because they're not right. and um mm-hmm. you know hopefully that puts pressure on people to especially men to not behave like this because mm-hmm. it is <laughs> wrong and not only will you go to jail, you might go to hell. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> Both aren't good. So yeah. Yeah. I also uh, let's, let's be nice people. Yeah, yeah. I also maybe this is my uh, inner Minnesotan showing, but find uh, the the character um, coming out of nowhere, Reese Witherspoon coming out of nowhere and being like dragged into the situation. 
uh, that's also compelling to me. Yeah, it's nice to see her too. She also didn't have like a specific political affiliation. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool, right? Right. Yeah. Like, because you feel like you can see her. They didn't make her so clearly a Republican or so clearly a Democrat. Mm-hmm. They made her very much like, if you're an audience member, you can kind of fit your feet into her feet no matter what. Right. Although she's mm-hmm. very small feet. She's a very small person. <laughs> uh, Is she? She's very, very cool and very, very kind. But she's very, very small. <laughs> That's funny. And very, very talented. Yeah, what's it um, like working with high-profile actors like that? Uh, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. Like icons. I know, right? Uh, when I got the gig, I was like, come on, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I pro- I actually got the closest to, to know uh, Mark Duplass. He was actually really, mm. really great. Okay. Um, he... He would be someone that I would ask, like, you know, help about because I actually ended up buying a, a condo during the process. Like, I have I own a house. I'm very fortunate I own a house in L.A., but then Mark owns a lot of property, like a lot. He just owns a lot of property. You can Google Mark Duplass and stuff. And okay. He talks about it. Uh, I think Wright wrote about it. And I was like, so I was curious about buying a second property. And in that time, I actually ended up buying a condo in Palm Springs <laughs> through his sort of <laughs> encouragement. And I thought that was really cool. And uh, it's turned out to be really fun. So he was a real blast that's, to work with. That's re- Chip's character, right? That is Chip's character, yeah, yes. Okay. that's the He's always the forlorn uh, man who's <laughs> beaten down by life. Um <laughs> Which is not like Mark. Mark is actually a very kind, nice <laughs> person. Uh, but he's a good producer, and he handles a lot really well. So I'm sure there's a lot of Mark in him for sure. Um, Billy Crudup was amazing because mm. to just sit in a room and see him act was an absolute pleasure. Because, one, he's very nice. But, two, he's really, really good at he what is he does. Yeah, he did amazing. He's a really good actor. And it was really cool. I remember sitting there going, watching him going, oh, it was really fun to be, to look at him and go, oh, people are really going to talk about Billy Crudup after this show. <laughs> and they did. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because you see him do his thing and you're like, oh yeah, Billy Crudup's in like a ton of movies and things, but you don't, you know, he's not on the tip of your tongue. And after the show, he's totally like, now he's like, oh yeah, everyone remembers Billy Crudup and it's a pleasure to see him do his thing. So that was really cool to witness mm-hmm. it and be like and then to know like to be like people are gonna love him again and so that's been really great jennifer aniston is incredibly kind she's incredibly nice she's fantastic on the show she's like makes that whole show yeah she mm-hmm. does really well um but yeah it was a she was the most for me like oh my gosh i'm meeting this like person i grew up with you know and you know same 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 with steve in the office mm-hmm. but right. jennifer has just been around longer and so there's the feeling of like you know, this is just wild to like meet her and work with her, talk with her, and she's yeah. just a very cool cat. And it's she kind really of interesting is just down earth. It's kind of interesting. You just brought up uh, The Office. Tony and I were watching that earlier today, and Tony said, "Ah, that after watching the morning show, it just makes me feel different about The Office, even though obviously there's no relation of the characters at all." It just kind of makes well, you, you know feel this gross. guy, right? <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, you know, it's weird when you see some. It's weird. It's it, the idea of the idea of Steve Carell and Michael Scott are like one person because you've seen them for so long, um, right? And then 
when you watch them in a different role where you're like, whoa, that's really cool or whoa, that's really gross, <laughs> whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It definitely <laughs> it's weird because it's not them. They're just an actor playing parts. Honestly, right. after one scene where Steve was talking to all of us in this room and he was it, that's when he came back. It was the scene when he came back to um, mm-hmm. the office and spoke to everybody yep. and yep. was just asking them to like speak up for him. I remember sitting there and he would look at all of us and he looked at me at one point, you know, and I'm just a, I'm a nothing part in that scene. And I still remember looking at him being like, he's looking at me and he's asking me to help him. And I'm not, you know, you're not allowed to like stand up and make up your own lines and go like, yeah, I'll help you. He's, but there's this part of me that's just like, I can't believe I'm not helping Michael Scott. Like I'm not helping Steve Carell. Like why would I not help him? He's such a good guy. This right. is terrible. I'm just forced to look, stare and look at this man. And he's like, all right, you know, like fuck all of you guys get, and he runs out. And I, every time I'm like heartbroken, literally, because it's weird. Cause it's this, you know, right. Exactly how you feel. You get really tied to these people that you watch probably more than your friends or your family with you, especially if you watch the office, like it sounds like you guys do. And I do, oh, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. it's wild. Uh, by the way, he's a really nice guy. He's very quiet. He keeps to himself. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, because I think he just has all that energy for the characters he plays. And I think there's mm. just, you know, it's a good, it's a good lesson in introversion and extroversion and just how you behave. But really, I mean, what a nice human being. And so that's cool. That, to hear. Uh, that was really cool. But yeah, he's very See, much, very much an on and off guy when it comes to the, to his energy on the stage. And yeah. Great. So you never had any like experiences of them looking down on like you or any of the other more secondary characters is like, we're better than you. No, we're more God, important. No. And that, I mean, that happens. It, it's just, I've never had it happen. Hmm. Literally I did a episode of a show called Las Vegas years ago where James Caan, has to choke me. Uh, oh, that'd be yeah, awesome. I know. Pretty cool, right? But he didn't really pay attention to me. I wasn't a big part in the show either, but um, he did choke me, which is fun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about as the worst I've ever gotten from that, and that's just him not really paying that much attention to me. Almost everybody I've ever worked with has been more than kind and more than outgoing and more than friendly and all these things. And so that's I cool. find that you know, if you want to work long in hollywood you you know be a kind person like jen jen got us all a food truck full of awesome hamburgers one day just to say thanks to the casting crew and that was just like a normal day i did get to meet martin short and that was amazing oh that would be cool too i went i went crazy and he called me david he said my name (laughs) my name i didn't ever expected to meet you let alone you know my name i said marty to him i think at one point I'm like, this is weird. So <laughs> that a, would be cool. It was cool. His character is also like a very different than you're used to seeing Martin Short yeah. as like a sleazy Hollywood director who's taking advantage of all these women. I wasn't expecting that. That that was kinda tough to watch too. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a tough show to watch. It's it's a good show. It's a it's a it's the morning show. <laughs> was it uh, any different being because it's all like Apple branded. There's all these Apple products in it. Was it, did that make any aspect of it different versus any of the other gigs that you've had? Funny question. Good question. At our desks, our, uh, our, our phones worked and the computers worked and they were all connected Mm. and they were all Apple. So the difference is if I ever had to do any, 
if I ever do like a commercial or something where I'm holding an Apple phone, I have to, they have to tape it over. You can't see the Apple logo. Right. Unless it's an Apple commercial, mm-hmm. which I did do. Um, but if I, but a show like this, they can, I mean, that, that iPhone was, you always knew they were using an iPhone. Right, right. Um, absolutely. That show. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. There's no res- issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, that and, uh, I feel like Cadillac had to pay a big chunk of money for it too. Did they use a lot of Cadillacs in the show? Oh, I think every episode. Oh, the, the Escalade. Yeah, the right? Escalade. Yeah, was in every episode. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It, I bet. I bet that probably happened too. Did they let you keep your uh, phone or computer after filming was done? No, no. no. They gave me money. No, that's. <laughs> I guess that's fair too. <laughs> but I did meet Tim Cook, which really? is crazy. I did. It was the premiere. And it was in New York City at Lincoln Center, which was incredible. That's cool. And I got to bring the wife, and she got dressed up. It was really, really cool. And Tim Cook is walking off the red carpet, and I remember I looked over, and I was like, oh, it's Tim Cook. And he, like, him and I, like, lock eyes, and he's, like, walk. he keeps walking, and he, like, puts his hand out to me. And I go, and I, like, shake his hand. And I and I, <laughs> I may, have, may have said thanks. I don't know. And then he keeps walking, and I said to I said to my wife, I was like, Tim Cook just like shook my hand. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. I should never have met Tim Cook in my life, let alone shake his hand. This is weird. There's That's a million cool. people on the show and I'm, you know, low on the totem pole <laughs> in the pecking order. Like his, that hand should be saved for other people. <laughs> and she's like, he saw you. He knows you. He's watched the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Because I haven't seen any episodes yet until we watched it at the premiere, and that was right before the premiere. And I'm like, sure. he's obviously seen all the episodes. I was like, oh, that's what I'm like, okay, he knows me. And like, we locked eyes again at another point, and I was like, oh, this is wild. Yeah. I met, I met George Stephanopoulos. It was very wild. Dang. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. When you're watching it, is it weird to like see yourself on screen and be like, oh, hey, that's me next to Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell in this building full of high profile A list celebrities? Is that weird at all? I think it's pretty. I think it's always pretty cool. Uh, I wouldn't say it's weird. I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, it is always cool to do good work with not only good actors, but also high-profile actors. Um, thankfully, these guys are all both, and so that's just cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. But I feel like it's it's worn off a little bit of like, oh, my gosh, that's me with that person. Right. But what doesn't wear off is me just, you know, in real life meeting that person. It's always fun to meet people that you've always wanted yeah. to meet. And it's yeah. like, oh, cool. So when was it all filmed? Because it was like talked about during the release of the new iPhone last fall. So did you film it last summer? We filmed it uh, November, uh, November 2018. 2018. November, December, 2018. So that was January and January, February, March. Okay. 2019. And so then when did, so let's say, let's say winter, winter, winter. 2018, 2019. Okay. That's fair. So that was probably pretty fresh off of the Matt Lauer scandal then. Huh? I mean, more fresh than today, but I wouldn't say like right off. I want to, I want to say it's right on the heels, but it was right. more fresh, fresher. Fresher is a better word than more fresh, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that happened in 2017. So I guess it was like a year after. It's based on a book called really? Top of the Morning. I did not know that. I yeah, it's either. based on a book. Uh, 
just about the stressors of morning show life. And then I think they took a little bit of the Matt Lauer stuff to sure. to kind of bring it around. But ultimately, it's based on, like, you've never seen the behind the scenes of, of a morning show. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it is. Mm-hmm. And you've learned, you know, there was a guy on set who was a director for the Today Show. And it was fun for him. To, he was the consultant. And he just made sure that everything made sense and looked okay and, you know, had all the right, you know bells and whistles on it and that they didn't you know they were doing the right thing mm-hmm. that makes sense any plans for uh, your character Nikki to return for season two get rehired onto the show I don't think that dude's coming back <laughs> that was one and done I think I I think I said something that I should have so yeah uh, I remember watching that and it was like right after you had agreed to come on the show and you're talking I was like oh shoot he's got a big scene and then you got fired and I was like <laughs> oh dang it you're like screw it. Uh, yeah, no, it it was cool. It was a cool way to go. Was it awkward to film that scene because it was a pretty crude comment that the character made? It was no, and it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> as I just completely contrast myself, it wasn't because it's we're all actors sure. and this is just words. It, it, after after that scene with Steve where he says all this stuff and it felt very emotional you're watching right. his monologue. I went up to him and I'm like, "How do you like I said I think I said something just like How do you feel after that?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, it's fun." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." Like cuz you do this all the time. Right. And you know, he the amount of dialogue he's gotten to say versus the amount of dialogue that I've gotten to say in TV and film is you know, doesn't compare. <laughs> so this is one of those rare dramatic roles where I got to really, you know, have a good dramatic scene, which was fun with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm friends with all those people and they're all really nice people. And we all got to just play pretend. It wasn't like anyone walked away from that going, Ooh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Pretend. Yeah. Cause cool. like Tony and I talked after and like, it all seemed so like, they filmed and created it so well where it seems so real, almost like they were filming a documentary and this was actually all what happened. Like I thought it was, I mean, just done so well that it felt feels all real. So like me asking that question seems like it should have felt really awkward for you or, or something. It listen, you feel it in the moment. You know, sure. it's fun though. It's like, oh, we get to. If you like acting, this is what you. This is what these are scenes like. This are what you're. What you're excited about, what you're made right. for. You know, not necessarily being the mean person, but just <laughs> creating things with tension in it and mm-hmm. living in that and sitting in the tension. And it, yeah, I'm with you. When I watched it afterwards, it's like, oh, it's just so cool how they got, just the way they can get the cameras in and the way they can make it feel and the color correcting and the lighting because. The feel in that room does did not feel. I mean, really? the room you're in now, they can, you know, a great cinematographer, uh, a great DP can really make things look just amazing and different and mm-hmm. weird and strange and close and light and dark and whatever you want, you know. So when you work on a show like that with just such amazing directors, and one of our directors was David Frankel, who directed The Devil Wears Prada, and, um, you know, Mimi Leader did the pilot, and she's, she just did... Um, movie with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie uh, in the in the name of sex and that's not quite it um, but yeah it's uh, it's just very cool to see uh, what people who are really good at what they do and how they can really make things look 
extra special or close or just just right up right on the tip of your tongue and that was that definitely was that scene you really just felt so so close and we felt that way doing it but the magic of movies (laughs) (laughs) so uh you were the host of the mtv game show broke ass game show and that was filmed out in new york right you got it so were you living in la during that and then you'd fly out to new york and film or how'd that work exactly yeah i uh, went to an audition for an untitled mtv game show or looking for an urban host and i was like yeah nothing about this guy is urban but okay uh unless 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 urban for you is uh the suburb outside of uh wherever you guys are in minnesota and (laughs) i went in for it i almost didn't go in for it and because I just was like, I'm not that guy. I'm just, I don't know who you're looking for, but I'm not that guy. And so I did the audition. It was fun. And the producers were like, we need to see you again. You're so fun. You're like an Andy Samberg type. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a, I am an Andy Samberg type, which <laughs> to me is not an urban host. But sure, okay, great. And so, but yeah, then I booked it and it was great. And uh, they partnered me with uh, Derek Gaines, who is awesome. And this is a shout out to Derek, my co-host, who should... He's got his own podcast called No Need for Apologies, and he's on The Last OG now, and he's he's coming out in the new Pete Davidson movie that Judd Apatow is directing, so look out for him. Uh, You guys should have him on for your podcast, just saying. We'll have to reach out. Um, So uh, anyway, uh, he... uh, so him and I were kind of the odd couple because he is very urban to my very whiteness. <laughs> and we filmed the season one yeah, in New York for two months and then uh, doubled that for the season two. But that was really fun because I didn't know if I'd ever come back to New York to just do a gig. And so we like my wife and I stayed in like a really cool like West Village studio apartment that we spent way too much money on because it's just <laughs> too cool to be able to the living and working in new york which i've gotten to do plenty of times is just a just a blast so yeah it'd be cool you, you make the most of it when you can working and living in new york is the best i don't want to live live and live new york but i want to <laughs> work and live in new york that's so on someone else's dime is is the best way to experience new york city and i really got to do that with that show that's really cool. Did you ever run into any insane people out there on the streets that you're just like, wow? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the best part of that show is um, a few things. One, I got to really use my improv skills, which was great. You know, I didn't have to worry. He, he Derek's a stand-up. So he actually had a more difficult time, I think, on that show than I did, to be perfectly honest, because I love people. And so I can go up to anybody and ask any question. I didn't realize how fearless I was until I did this show. And I realized, oh, I'm really fucking fearless. Like, (laughs) I will really go up to somebody and, like, push things as far as I can. Like, I almost got arrested on the steps of a Brooklyn Supreme Court once because I just just wanted to go for the joke. And I'm like, look at me. I didn't expect I am. Maybe I am more (laughs) urban and edgy than I expected. (laughs) This guy from central New Jersey surprising myself. (laughs) And he, like, never got in trouble. Uh, but it, but that, that was really fun just being able to talk to people. And I think I maybe was more insane than most of the people I spoke to. The only thing that was really insane would just be like, obviously we would, sometimes you would talk to somebody and you're like, Oh, I think you might be homeless and maybe a little cuckoo. And so 
that's where you have to learn some people who are homeless are actually really awesome and amazing and cool and worked out for the show great and you're actually able to bless them with like 20 bucks here or 50 bucks there and that was great but then sometimes you'd get somebody who was difficult and you just sort of moved on but honestly when you have such a big crew like that there was like 50 60 of us every day like it looked like a run and gun show like you could shoot on your iphone but there's a lot of work that was put into that show that you really don't see and uh, and it was i think because of that crew you don't get too many people who are going to act up because people are going to come fight for you really fast we were a real tight-knit group because when you're out there doing a prank show on the streets of new york city it's a (laughs) it's you're like a little you know like david's mighty men in the bible it's like you really are this like little group of people who just (laughs) have each other's backs on like because you're doing this crazy thing you're in fucking new york city you know (laughs) going up to people saying hey you want to do these crazy games sometimes you look I, you know, I'd be in a costume. That would be insane. Sometimes it would just be me. Sometimes I'd walk up to them asking silly things. But, yeah, I, I was more the insane person than I think anybody else. So <laughs> I think that's why it worked. What was your uh, favorite, like, bit or segment you guys did on that show? A lot of really good bits. One of my favorite bits is I was a Mater D in Central Park. And when people walked into the entrance of, there's a zillion entrances in Central Park. Have you guys ever been in New York City? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Central Park is really as amazing as you as you like here. That's like there's nothing. There's like Central Park mm-hmm. is a magical place. I don't understand why, but it really is. And it just it's <laughs> huge, and you just know no one's gonna no one's gonna touch that thing. And it's like the most expensive real estate in the world, and it's, it's just it's special. And so. At one of the entrances, they set up a little, a little major D stand, like a little, what's the word? I'm like blanking on it, you know, like a podium, yeah. And I was dressed in the tuxedo, and people would walk in, and I would stop them and say, "Excuse me, do you have, do you have a tree?" And they'd go, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "You need, need a reservation. Like, are you sitting here in one of these spots of grass, or are you sitting in the tree? Can you show me your reservation?" And some people, of course, are like, fuck you, and like walk <laughs> off. And then there's other people who are mostly tourists who would, or just kind people, God bless them, and they would stop and talk to me because I look like an authority. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, you need to have a reservation. You know, unfortunately, that tree's booked up between now and 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, but we have an opening at 2.30 if you want to wait or like, oh, in five minutes, this other tr- you know spot of grass <laughs> is going to come open. <laughs> And they said, oh, and then I'd have some conversations with some people like, oh, can I bring a guitar? And I'm like, actually, you can't bring a guitar. But, you know, if you come <laughs> towards the hours of five to eight, that's when music is OK. And I I'm, this is me just making shit up at the spot. And I, it's <laughs> making me laugh in my like, that's one of those things where I don't need an audience. I know it's funny. And so <laughs> the more I can let these people if, if I'm leading these people on, it's great. And I'm not being mean. I'm just, you know, letting them be as gullible as possible and having fun <laughs> with them. And what made me happy with this show is we always gave them money at the end of every prank. So I was always like, in my mind, it was always like not just a prank just for the sake of pranking and making someone look stupid. Right. I always knew that I was going to bless them in some way. And so mm-hmm. that made me happy. That that always gave me the the rationale for sure. the horrible the things the confidence I would do. to take it further than maybe you'd be comfortable with. Yeah, like I knew they'd walk away with money. Like the more you engage with me, the more I, I'm like, you're going to get money at the end of this right. versus 
someone who just goes fuck you like well you're not getting money and you're just you're mean (laughs) so it was fun i had people sit at a bench and i'd say please sit this bench outside i'll come get you in a few minutes and so if they they went through it and then i derek would come and have them sit by the tree and he's like you know basically at the end we'd go and here's you know twenty dollars you're on broadcast game show and they're like oh cool (laughs) so that was fun. It was fun knowing after a season one, two, you'd literally have like truck drivers pass us and they'd honk their horns and be like, broadcast game show. And you're like, cool. It's fun that people watch MTV. I appreciate that. Surprised me, but uh, <laughs> it was really cool. So when you're done interacting with people in this thing like that, do you have to get their like permission to use their face or something? Or like, how does that work? I've always wondered like on Impractical Jokers and stuff. Oh yeah. We've got, our director was actually worked with Impractical Jokers. Uh, Probably had a team of about 20 to 30 people who were running around to every single fucking person that I spoke to. Because if I spoke to them and they were on camera, there's now a person that has to run, find them, give them a sheet of paper, and have them sign a waiver. If they don't sign the waiver, we have to put a blurry thing over their head. And we have to use like the voice of our producer or something to voice over whatever they say. So, yeah, we have to get a waiver for each and every person. And that group of people was the most unsung group of heroes on that show because it's like Billy on the street. If you ever watch Billy, who I got to meet once, Billy, everybody who who walks away from Billy or he says a quick thing to and says something to, there is someone chasing after that person so that they can sign a waiver so that they can be on the huh. show. And That's it's, crazy because he like runs up to people, says one thing and sprints away immediately. So they got to be, they got to be on the ball on that one. Like you don't even know, dude, and <laughs> you don't see any of that. And it looks just like, Oh, slapdash and fun. And literally like someone's just given Billy a microphone and a camera, but there's so much going on behind the scenes of that show, knowing what I did with broke ass. And huh. it's, it's impressive. Like the, mo- I always say this, that any show that ever looks really simple and fun and easy that's the hardest show that's probably happening. Like every Disney and Nick show you've ever seen is like a million times more difficult to shoot than NCIS. Hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. That is interesting. What's been your, like you've appeared on a lot of shows for like an episode, right? Like network, yeah. like NCIS, mm-hmm. those types. What's been your favorite one of those to work on? Who I enjoyed Veronica Mars a lot from just, the the fun of that was just getting called back and the idea was the character wasn't at the beginning i wasn't told this character keeps coming back so it was fun that they just kept writing me back in so that's always mm-hmm. fun where it's like you're doing a good job we like you let's keep coming back and it was a fun part and kristen bell is just an absolute sweetheart and funny and um so that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that um it's it's really for me it's about people like actually working with um doing i'd have to do a really good guest star in cis once and working with mark Harmon was one of the surprise joys of my life like he's the the nicest men in the world i'm like oh that you're a good dad (laughs) (laughs) i i really could use that (laughs) i love my dad but this but mark was just you know like my dad didn't like play ucla bat ucla uh football as the quarterback and was soft-spoken and just sweet and endearing and kind and encouraging and like he called me after the episode aired like one morning the morning after the episode aired and it was an unknown call and i didn't even pick it up because i'm like who's calling me at 8 a.m this is weird <laughs> and i get the voicemail and he's like hey david this is mark i just want to let you know i thought you did a great job and 
you know, hope you really, you know, the really funny jokes and just the, the, the way the, the humor went and the scenes and it's really interesting and just, uh, hope you were proud of it and thought it was great. Um, you don't have to call me back, but this is my number if you do. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. <laughs> like this guy's the highest paid man on television. And why is he taking a moment out of his day to do this? Oh, it's because he's the highest paid man in television. Meaning going back to the story you guys, or the question you asked earlier is like, are these real high profile people sometimes jerks and i feel like part of why they're high profile is almost because they are kind and nice and i think that's a i don't think that i think that's actually weirdly a prerequisite to be a a big shot in hollywood i think there are some jerks but i think most people aren't i think the few jerks there are they're few and i think most people that you watch and love on tv and film are actually really good people i think a few of them are jerks and they make it feel like Oh, Hollywood's just a bunch of, you know, big egos and mm-hmm. you know fuckheads, and it's not. So it's nice to know that. Yeah, that's cool. I, 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 yeah, I still like knowing that too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, HQ trivia. You've hosted a couple of those night things, right? Yeah. What's that I did, like? Yeah, I'm an, I'm an, I'm the one guy in LA who hosts. Everyone else is New York. So, HQ trivia is a gig that I never should have gotten um because they were they basically all their hosts are in new york and i got to um meet one of the producers once this guy nick gallo who's not with them anymore but he's a great great guy and him and i kind of went back and forth and he took a liking to me that and and i just thought it would have been so fun and so we did it and so he kept having me come back and it was just a blast so it's just more like if I'm ever in New York or, you know, like when I went to do the premiere for morning show, I hosted for HQ. So it's one of those things where, you know, Matt Richards who's on the show who actually did a show on MTV called joking off with Matt. He's a great guy. And I actually had him do stand up at one of my improv shows once he he's, he's killing it. And so it's so fun to watch him, but it's been fun to do it though. Like whenever I get to do it, cause it's this weird thing where you're in a room and you know they're like I think at the most there was like five hundred thousand people at the time, uh, and it's just weird to like know you're talking to like half a million people <laughs> and you can't see any of them and they can all see you and it's just wild you know to be that's crazy, yeah, that's crazy yeah, to just think like I get to you know speak to all of you guys and make shit up but like i'm reading off a teleprompter most of the stuff that i write that's actually been the closest i've ever gotten to do stand-up and like it i will write my own jokes and do my own self-deprecating humor like i never really doubled down on like my geeky jewy whiteness as much as i have on hq because everyone on hq doesn't really make fun of themselves i'm the only one who is the self-deprecating guy where i'm like you know i'm happy to call out you know as white as a q-tip and you know <laughs> even so white that casper the ghost runs away from me you know <laughs> stuff like that where you know the human version of Lacroix. so that's that's yeah. been that's been the sort of joy of hqs i've actually been able to sort of do a half-assed version of stand-up comedy for probably the, a much larger audience than i would for an open mic yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool yeah i remember playing that game back in college it was it's kind of a weird thing that took off, but it was fun. It had its moment. It's still, they brought it back again now, which is smart Did for they? the pandemic. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, you can still play it. But no, it definitely had a zeitgeist moment. I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to start hosting right around the zeitgeist time. But I do remember being there like the last time I was hosting. And I remember looking around going, I don't think this is going to be around much longer. And it (laughs) stopped. But now it started up again, which is smart because we all could use a little a little cash and also just a little fun during something like this. So yeah, it's been, for sure. I'm glad yeah, it's it is the perfect time for them. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we let you go here, we're wondering if you have any TV shows or movies you've been watching over quarantine that you'd like to recommend to us and our listeners. Oh yeah. I really enjoyed, you know what I'm enjoying right now is the Sopranos. Never watched mm. it. Finally watching it totally holds up. Huh? Great show. I haven't watched that either. You can yeah, watch. You can actually either. download HBO Go right now and and watch it for free, even if you don't have an HBO really? account. It's great. Huh. I might have to check that out. And I'm friends with Tony Hale, and Veep is just everything. You can also watch Veep right mm. now, which is great. I started watching Avenue Five on HBO. That's a weird one. That's I've the Veep creator. I, I'm. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just, it's a little strange. Um. So we're doing that. What else? Uh, what the morning else show. Enjoy? Hmm? <laughs> the morning show. The morning show. Yes. <laughs> I, I lived it. So, uh, but yeah, if you haven't watched the morning show, now is the perfect time to watch the morning show. You'll be done with it in two nights. Yep. Um, I'm excited for, I think Fargo's coming back. Oh, is it? So, yeah. Do you guys like Fargo as Minnesotans? So I haven't seen it. I've heard... It kind of puts us in a bad light a little bit, and it kind of like emphasizes our accents. But I don't know. I've heard good things. I wouldn't watch it. Seasons one and two on you can watch it on FX or Hulu. Okay, uh, are some of the best television I've ever seen. Right. Now mm. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if it's too close to home, <laughs> but it's clearly that's it's 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 a. It's like when I watch The Sopranos, I'm not going like, yep, this was this is all the people from New Jersey that right. I grew up with and I hate it. I'm going this clearly, uh, you know, they're blowing up the right. idea of the, you know, Italian and New Jersey mafioso. It actually makes me really fond of New Jersey when I watch that show. I think if you watched Fargo, I think you would be really fond of, you know. I have to get yeah, to watch. That's my hope, at least, because... And I don't think you'd be like, clearly this is me. This is so, it's so <laughs> a, such a wacky story. Right. Uh, and it's so well done. And Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman and um, everyone's great. Ted Danson's in season two. It's great. So got to meet Ted Danson too on CSI. That's, that's a really cool. nice guy too. That's the thing. I've gotten to meet some really cool people. And honestly, I think that's the stuff I'll take to my grave when I, why I enjoyed Hollywood. It's like just getting to meet cool people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I like cool people doing fun things and getting paid for it and meeting cool people and telling good stories. It's just great. So that's really cool. Uh, and on. Uh, yeah. So those are those are some shows. Mm. That's interesting that you say you're friends with Tony Hale, because I saw him on the Stephen Colbert show in New York City last spring, I think. And he was hilarious. I loved him. Like you went to see it live. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. He's a real nice guy. So that's mm, great. Yeah. Alrighty, I had him on for Saturday, David. Did you? you did. I did. You can watch him reading uh, Archibald's next big thing, which you can buy in stores and see on Netflix. Huh. Yeah, he's a cool dude. We'll have to check that out. Well, you're not ages five to ten, but I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> you'll let us on. 
Put your kid glasses on. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll uh, we'll let you go, but we really, really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. Everyone, make sure to check David out um, on the various things that we've talked about, um, and of course on Saturday, but on Instagram Live. Thanks so much, guys. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks again, David, for coming on today. It was great to have you. Very, very fun conversation. Um, Yeah, really enjoyed our time. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back to wrap things up shortly. Yeah, we just want to extend uh, one more thank you to David for coming on the show. We really appreciate his time, and thank you to you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, Check out David's social handles down below, and he's got a new podcast coming out that'll be dropping soon, so definitely stay tuned. We'll have the uh, information for that down below as well. And uh, his IG live TV show, Saturdavid, uh, Saturdays at 10.30 Pacific Central Standard Time, uh, check that out too if you've got any kiddos who and you need a break from them. Yeah, David was a great guy. Really appreciated him being on with us. Uh, very, very fun to talk to. So thanks again, David. Um, got some more actors coming down the pipe as well as a potential football player. So stay tuned. Uh, we are real excited here. And thanks again for listening. Peace. Peace.